Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I am an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Da, 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 da. In episode 14 of the Nerd Lab, you will learn why I just made that strange sound and why you probably will also not get it out of your head again. Today I'm very proud to talk to Angelo Nicolao about the game card Pocalypse, a computer game that brings the memories of our childhood back to life. We also talk about the specific design process of a single-player CCG, but the major part of our discussion is about legacy elements in card and board games, a topic which I am very interested in, especially because it is related to a card game. When you are giving the player a sticker and you say, choose one of your minions to put it on, you're actually personalizing the card. The card suddenly becomes more interesting. And when you draw, you're like, oh, I drew my card. Angelo gave a lot of practical advice that he shared with me during the show, and I'm sure you can benefit from it as much as I did. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Da, 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 da. And now for you, the main quest. Today I'm not alone in the Nerd Lab. Okay, physically I am still alone, but today I have someone joining me on the line all the way from Greece. It is Angelo Nicolaou, a fellow game designer currently working on a game called Cardpocalypse. Welcome to the show, Angelo. It's great that you took the time for us today. Hello, nice to chat to you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, today we are going to talk about Cardpocalypse, a game you're currently designing, and its unique twists of the CCG genre, and especially yeah, its legacy elements. But before we dive into our main topic, we would like to learn a little bit more about you, Angelo. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us how your journey as a game designer began? Uh, well, I am the game designer for indie video game studio Gambrinus. Uh, we're currently eight people working for the studio. Cardpocalypse is the second game. The first game was Guild of Dungeoneering. I don't know if you've played it or you've heard of it. Yes, I have actually played it. Yeah, it's an interesting combination of frog-like elements, tile-placing dungeon crawler with um, a robust card battle. Yeah, I like the unique twist about it that you are not playing the the heroes going through the dungeon, but the other way around. You are creating the dungeon. Yeah, it's actually very nice. I didn't work on Guild of Dungeon Ring. I was hired directly for working on the Cardpocalypse uh, game. Uh, personally, I've been a board game designer for quite a while. I've made dozens of prototypes. I have two board games published. The small ones, you wouldn't know them. And uh, this experience helped me get this job for a video game company that wants to make a card game. And obviously, I have a big experience from CCGs, you know, playing Magic since 95 and multiple other CCGs that came and died and others came. And all of this is helping me a lot in making Cardpocalypse. I have the I have the feeling that playing Magic the Gathering is 
is a good entry point to start creating your own games. You can learn so much from all these various um, mechanics they have in the game. I say that game design is like knowing how to make a car, and playing games is like driving a car but not knowing how it's made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. So, you know, not every person who plays a game will open the hood and try to understand how the game is made. But the people who are interested in it will find a lot of things in Magic, especially Mark Rosewater's blogs are amazing. Yes, I also enjoy his Drive to Work podcast quite a lot. There are many interesting insights for game designers. Thank you very much for introducing yourself, Angelo. Today we are going to talk about Cardpocalypse and its unique twists of the CCG genre. But before we dive a little deeper into the topic, let's start with playing the Cardpocalypse soundtrack of the announcement trailer to get the listeners into the right mood. Oh yeah. So, how was your first day at the new school? Well, I met a bunch of kids, made some friends, played some cards, I fought a bully, got caught, got detention, got everyone's favorite game banned. All the kids hate me, I was attacked by monsters, saw a boy get kidnapped by mutants from another dimension, battled an ultimate evil, and maybe, maybe even saved the world. Oh, Jess, not detention on your first day. <sighs> Cardpocalypse! School has gone insane! The only way to win is the game to end all games. Cardpocalypse! Mega mutant food! Turning cats and dogs into mega mutant Wow, that soundtrack is incredible. Angelo, I have two questions about it. How can I get that catchy Cardpocalypse sound out of my head again? Well, we haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> we are having our meetings and sound, someone goes... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I do that sound when I walk around the house. I sing it to the kids and uh, yeah, I'm sure it will help you quite a lot to, to sell a lot of copies of the game. Yeah, it's quite an earworm. <laughs> And the second question is, um, where can I find someone to record a soundtrack like that for my projects? Uh, in this particular case, we have Tom ba Tommy Buckley, who is making the game's music and sound. It's highly recommended to actually get a musician to make the game and sound. Like Things that we would never think about the details for this is something that Tommy does professionally, so he knows exactly what he's doing. And for recording it, we reached out to Jason Page, who is the voice for the original English Pokemon theme song. And he wanted to do this, and it was a great experience working with him and making a cool sound that captures the 90s vibe that we want for the game. Yeah, that perfectly does it. I really like that soundtrack. So... Let's go to the to the main topic and talk about uh, the game Cardpocalypse. What is it about? Tell, tell our listeners a little bit more about the game. In Cardpocalypse, you are playing Jess, a 10-year-old girl who is going to an American school in the 90s. 
And in that school, every kid is playing a card game based on a TV show. The card game is called Mega Mutant Power Pets. That's a very cool name. That's what kids would think, exactly. <laughs> and you're going around the school, you are chatting with other kids, you are playing the game, you are trading cards, you are doing favors so that you can get some more cards for yourself. And then some mysterious things start happening that I'm not going to spoil. <laughs> okay. So it's a digital game and it is playing in the 90s. So it feels a little bit like myself uh, going to school and playing magic there. So was this some kind of inspiration for you? That is what we wanted to capture, exactly. The memory of us being kids and playing a card game for the first time. And different generations will, ha will remember different games. Uh, some will remember Magic, some will remember Pokemon, others will remember Yu-Gi-Oh! But still, I think we all grew up playing card games and we wanted to capture that in the game. I really like that. How do you, how do you actually play the game? Is it a, a single-player game or is it a cooperative game where you trade cards with other players? Is it competitive? How would you describe it? Cardpocalypse is a narrative game, first of all. We have a lot of dialogue where you can go talk to other kids and see different stories that are happening in the school. And at some point, the monsters are going to start appearing in the school and you're going to try to stop them. And while you're doing that, you're playing a lot of, uh, a lot of card game battles. So it's a mix of the two. It's sort of like an RPG, but instead of waving swords during battle, you play a card game. Okay, so what is the percentage of playing cards and having an RPG narrative in the game? What would you say? It's interesting point that we are targeting both narrative players who like playing a game with a nice story but don't necessarily like card games, as well as card gamers who don't really care for the story. So we're going to try to satisfy both by being able to dodge the dialogue and also being able to dodge some card battles if you choose. So different players should be able to find the different percentages that fit that. Okay, that's that's a nice way of implementing it. If we manage to succeed in it. I know it's possible to <laughs> fail and have too much dialogue or too little dialogue. We'll see. Yeah, of course. I think I can imagine that this is quite a quite difficult task to find the sweet spot here for, for most of the players. Yeah, we're going to be working a lot on this. Yeah. We have seen digital implementations of collectible card games before. There is Hearthstone as a purely digital implementation or Magic Arena or Magic Online as a digital representation of a physical game. But what I have not seen so often is a single-player CCG, whether digital nor physical. For me, collectible card game is generally defined as something um, where I acquire cards into some kind of personal collection and then build my decks or create my decks around it. Can Sometimes I'm able to trade cards and then I battle other players with it. So who do you battle in your game? Do you battle the monsters that come around or other, play, uh, other kids in school because it's a single-player game, from what I know, and you're not playing against other real persons, do you? That's correct. You're playing against AI in every battle. Mm -hmm which is playing the kids that are in school and the monsters that show up. And it's in, it's embedded in a storyline. Everything is about a kid asking you to take revenge for someone who bullied it, and then you going and playing a card game with it, with uh, that bullies to convince him to stop bullying the first kid. Can you tell us 
a bit more about how you got the idea to create a single-player CCG and why you chose this approach over, let's say, a multiplayer version, for example? So, uh, Colum and Fred, who are the two heads of uh, Gambrinus, they are both huge card game and board game fans. And you can tell from Guild of Nationalism, the first game they made. So they were discussing about how much they love CCGs, but right, uh, but at their time, they weren't playing a lot of CCGs. And they were thinking why, and they were thinking that a lot of multiplayer CCGs are built with a competitive focus, and they will have an economy design built around selling you boosters, and they require a lot of focus and dedication to be able to play those CCGs at a high level. And also there is a lack of engagement with your opponents. You can say nothing or you can send a few emotes. So they discussed all this and they found an interesting story they wanted to tell. So they ended up deciding to make a narrative single-player game where you play CCG battles. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about, but I really did not engage much with my opponents in Magic, for example, when I played online. You're right. What would you say are the main differences between a single-player CCG and a traditional CCG like Magic? So what is the difference between Cardpocalypse and, let's say, Magic the Gathering? Well, we've been making Cardpocalypse. We noticed that there is no need for random rewards, for example. We actually tailor the rewards to make the difficulty the way we want it and to control the tools that we're giving the players to defeat the challenges and to make decks. Uh, at the same time, we've noticed that we don't need to painstakingly balance the game and prevent all abusive strategies. It's since a single-player game, if a player finds a broken strategy and they manage to defeat the final boss easily, good for them. Uh, also, a nice side effect we noticed that there is no time pressure for making choice. There is no, no burning line going down. So you can actually pause in the middle of the battle if you want. And finally, since we don't have an opponent against you, we can start adding legacy changes and really shake up what a CCG can do. Well, that's that's great. I, I have a lot of uh, questions regarding the legacy elements uh, in your game. But before we go to that, I, I want to, to go back to what you just said. And you said you do not have random rewards. You have tailored rewards. That means you can really give rewards that are based on the story, I would guess. Is that the fact? That's correct. That's correct. If you do a quest that is a bit sneaky, we will give you a, a cut that is a shadow. We are, we are able to curve the experience the way we like it. We're thinking of, should we do it? a style of uh, roguelike, where the rewards are random and, and they are different every game. And we decided, no, we should tailor it to make the best experience possible. I like that. I really like that approach. And now that I think about it, I actually do know a single-player CCG game. Um, do you know Shandala, the Magic the Gathering PC game from, from the 90s? Oh, yeah. I've played hundreds of hours. Yeah, it was an awesome game, and it reminds me a little bit of, of your game. Yes, that's correct. Those Sandalay is completely random and roguelike. Yes. 
You're right. And I, what I remember is that you still had Anti there in the game. And when you when you was, was fighting against another another minion or enemy, um, there was an Anti, and you it was you were acquiring cards by winning against these uh, these enemies, or you could also lose cards, random cards from your deck again when playing Chandela. When you lost the fight, so do you have some kind of anti as well, some kind uh, of ways to lose cards again that you already acquired? You're gonna see different effects on you when you lose during the game. Some card battles will be for fun, or some card battles you might bet something, or some the battles you will fight for your life. So that means you die when you lose. You'll see more when you're playing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So um, you already mentioned it, and I already saw it in the trailer of Cardpocalypse that you are using legacy elements in your game. And legacy elements are typically, or legacy games are typically games that change permanently over the course of a series of sessions. Um, in board games, that means making permanent physical changes to the components of the game. For example, writing names on cards or placing stickers on cards or on a board and sometimes even destroying some components. So how did you translate this kind of mechanics, which typically have to do with physical components or changing physical components, how did you translate this kind of mechanics to a digital game? Well, everyone in our team has played legacy games, and we all like the variety they offer and the awe and surprise on something new that's happening, the excitement of putting stickers on cards. And we wanted to capture some of that in the digital form. And since it's digital, you can actually start a new game from the beginning and just end up with a different rule set every time. And we wanted to capture the feeling of making choices that impact the whole playthrough. And those choices should catch you by surprise and be exciting. So it's... Uh, challenge that most CCGs haven't done. Some mobile and browser card games are offering card upgrading, but we wanted more than that. We wanted to capture the feeling of opening a legacy pack and saying, choose one of these three rules that are going to change the game a lot. Okay, but uh, why don't you just give the players a new card instead of letting them change the old card? In a physical game, that would mean a whole bunch of extra cards to print that might never be used. But with a digital card, that shouldn't be a problem. So you could have just given the players a new card and throw the old one away instead of placing a sticker on it, for example. Yeah, on one, uh, from one point of view, each card is its own rule set. But we are doing edits on cards. You'll be able to get stickers to increase the stats of your minions or give them different keywords. And you'll be able to change the whole rules of how the game is working. For example, how you draw cards or how you win the game. Okay, that's that's a, a major change of the rules, how you win the game or how you draw cards. That, that sounds very interesting. Or, or how you do the deck building or how you are managing the resources. Okay. We want to really set things up to make the game, each game play different. But that sounds difficult to, to balance. Did you have any problems balancing the game? We're still in the process of it. We hope to, to offer its path as a possible strategy for different play styles by the end of the game. 
So what do you say or what do you think are the main advantages of uh, using legacy mechanics in the game? When you are giving the player a sticker for a rename and you say choose, a, choose one of your minions to put it on and give it any name you want, you're actually personalizing the card. The card suddenly becomes more interesting. And when you draw, you're like, oh, I drew my card. And streamers will be able to name cards based on the, the people who are watching. Oh, that's great. And, all, and then put extra stickers to increase the stats for, the, for those cards. This should help the player feel like they're crafting the game and they're choosing how they want to play it. Similarly, the, the steps you take during quests might give you an ethical choice and you might choose whatever you, you want just the main character to do or you might choose based on what reward you do you want. It all ends down to choice and um, crafting your deck the way you like it in order to face the challenges that we're going to throw at you. When I was thinking about putting legacy elements to my game, I came across uh, a challenge and the challenge is complexity. I'm a little bit afraid of adding another layer of complexity by using too much or too many legacy elements in my game. You need a lot of stickers, maybe you need a lot of additional icons to clarify what, e what each of the modification means and I'm just afraid that this could lead to some kind of cognitive overload for the players. I mean, you said just that you get a sticker and you can place it on a whole bunch of minions, so there's uh, a lot of choices to be done there. But I guess it really depends on the kind of information you add or remove from or to the cards. What kind of elements can you change in Cardpocalypse? And is it more like changing a numeric value on a card or is it more like add a complete new ability, for example? I'm not going to spoil everything, but you will be able to increase the attack or the health of a minion. You'll be able to reduce the cost of a minion. With numeric stickers, you'll be able to give it a new keyword, like Defender or Swarm. So you can choose whichever card you want to increase. You can also bring cards from different factions into your faction by putting a sticker from your faction on top of it. And you'll be able to make your own card at some point. Draw your own card. Choose the head, choose the tail, choose the body, and you have your own card. Okay, that's cool. That I really like, I really like that if you, that you can make up your entire card. That's a very nice idea. Yeah, we wanted to really do things we could only do in a single-player game. Yeah, I think you would have major problems balancing this uh, if it would be a, com a competitive game. I also know, maybe this is more a question towards board games, not digital games, but I know that a lot of people very much dislike the idea of games where cards or playing material are permanently changed. I know that this will probably not be a problem for you, but... It will be for, for me or for some of our listeners. So the question is, how do you feel about that opinion of that people towards legacy mechanics? Do you think they, they dislike it because they do not want to you know, reduce the value of the product they bought? Or what do you think they do not like in this mechanics? I think it's, I think that the players who reset their pandemic legacy game and take off the stickers in order to be able to play it again are sort of have they sort of have a fear of missing out or oh, what if i want to play it again though i've noticed that legacy games are more about the experience of seeing something for the first time so like 
watching a TV series for the first time is full of surprises and plot twists. Watching it for the second time, it's still enjoyable, but it's not the same thing. Some people like watching the TV series the second time. Some people are happy just watching it once. Yeah, you're right. Most of the legacy games I played offer so so much of content that I, I will play them once and then never again. So I do not have to bother with resetting them to the to the initial state. But and I still I still there are some people that do not like this. And I'm sure using legacy mechanics in a physical game will reduce your target audience by some percentage points, I would say. Do you think it's a reason to not use legacy mechanics at all? It's just a different uh, audience, you know? Like some people like Keyforge and how it's a unique game. Some people don't like that they don't know the value of something that they buy that's closed. It's perfectly fine. Each game has its own audience. That's what we should know as game designers. Design for the audience you aim for. So any other design challenges with legacy elements that you have had in your game? Uh, yeah, we actually had a very big challenge um, as we were making the game. Since we paper prototyped at least eight versions of a rule set we were calling Brawl, we were doing that for more than three months, and then we spent three months building it on a digital form until we felt it's interesting and we wanted to show it to other people. And when we started testing it, uh, because it was a deck-building CCG, it was something very new, And we knew what deck building, deck building games are and we found it very interesting. But people who didn't know when they were testing it, they were so lost. The reactions were so disappointing. They just didn't know anything that was happening. Things were happening. Like, cars move there, cars move here. Why? So after some discussion between us, we reached the same consensus as I've seen Matt Leacock say, uh, discuss in one of his talks. A legacy game needs to have a very simple basic game to build upon. If we had to teach the player our rule set for the deck builder CCG and then start taking things up a lot with weird rules, we'd overwhelm the average player. We'd only keep the very engaged players who actually know what deck builders are. So we threw away more than six months of work that we did on the card game there and went back to the drawing board. We kept some elements from Brawl that we enjoyed, for example, the art and keeping an identifiable champion who has an active role on the board. And then we decided to make another prototype that followed the footsteps of other CCGs. But we still put our own spin on it. Now, when testers were playing, they were like, okay, I get this, and I like getting new stickers, and I like getting new roles on top of this. Okay, I have quite a bunch of follow-up questions to that. Um, the first one is, You said you threw away six months of work. This must have been very frustrating for you. And I had the same, some or similar experience uh, some some weeks ago with my game. And I asked myself the question: If frustration is a major part of game design, so because you're always creating your own babies and you spend a lot of time creating this new mechanics and how they work together, and then at some point in time when you test them, you realize that they are just not working or they are co too complex they are overwhelming the players and then you have to throw them away so how did you manage that frustration that must have been there uh, i managed it by telling myself we're not killing it we are selling it it's a game i really enjoyed making it's a game that i think would many players would like but it just didn't fit a single player um, legacy game 
Okay, and you said you started by building paper prototypes. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the the first steps of designing the game were? How did you did you start? Did you draw it on a whiteboard? Did you start by making paper prototypes with pen and paper, or how did you start exactly making that game? The first step was making a bunch of paper prototypes and testing them and getting a feel of them. We actually made prototypes like Brawl, Wheels, and Strawberry, you know, different keywords. And we were testing them between them. We we're trying to find the right paper prototype. At the same time, we we're discussing what elements do we want in our game. We want, for example, an identifiable champion that you're playing a champion yourself and you feel that you are in there in battle. And we wanted um, very separate uh, factions. And playing all these with the team and testing afterwards, testing it with uh, some other people in our group, we got to a point where we were saying, okay, I want to play more of this. I want to see more of this. I want to see more cards. Make me more cards. When we got to that point, we, we knew that, okay, we have a prototype that works. And at what point in time did you add digital supporting tools to the mix? We were at a point where we had eight different printed decks and that we could play between them. And we could see that, okay, swapping a champion here makes it interesting. And then we decided to go for it. Okay, that sounds very interesting. And as you have made already a lot of paper prototypes, what do you think? Would your game also work in a physical version? Or at least the, the, the CCG part of the game, not the narrative part, maybe? That's an interesting point, because originally I wanted to make the card game work 100% physically. I felt that if I'm playing this game about kids playing a card game in school, and we have a rule set that just doesn't work in physical form, you know, my disbelief would be suspended. I'd be like, no, this, this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you, the game would lose me. However, as we were making it, we we're saying that since we're making a digital game, we should take advantage of the randomness management that it offers and all the fiddliness that it management. And we were saying that the game would be worse if we didn't. So I actually started embracing a few rules here and there that would be awkward to play in a physical game. Because the goal is to have Apocalypse the best experience possible, after all. Yeah, I think that is the right decision you made there. One question I wanted to ask you is, what were the most important lessons you learned through the process of designing the Cutpocalypse game? When we had to kill Brawl, we discussed this already, it was really difficult. And um, also the KISS rule, which is well known between game designers, but it was very obvious in almost every decision we made that simple is better. We actually spent last week simplifying dozens of cards just because they were too difficult to create and too difficult for the AI to process. So when you were designing the cards, were you starting with them being very complex and you narrowed it down, removing removing uh, complex parts, or were you starting with a very easy, easy design and then add complexity step by step? We made commons very simple, then uncommons a bit more complicated, and then rares a bit more complicated. So we mostly simplified the rares because I, I felt too confident to do five different things with the rare and said, okay, let's break, bring it down to two different things on the rare card. So, you know, the complexity ceiling is what was brought down 
not the complexity in floor. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got that. And I think it's uh, this is quite common for, for, for most CCGs or card games that the rare cards are a little bit more complex than the commons. Yeah, especially since you get them later in the game as well. So, before we come to the end of today's episode, I would like to ask you one last question. What is the one thing you wish you would have known before starting your journey as a game designer? Oh, you know, I am often hard with myself and I used to feel really bad for mistakes I made, especially for printed products that were no longer being, uh, I can do anything for them. So nowadays I realize that those mistakes make me a better designer today. So I wish I embraced from the beginning a mentality that said fail early and fail faster. It should just accept the mistakes that happened and try to fix the ones that I can and try to learn from all of them. I like that approach. Especially we in Germany sometimes have uh, have difficulties uh, embracing our failures and learning from our mistakes. I think people over there in America, for example, um, have a better culture regarding uh, doing mistakes. Yeah, I think it's in widely in Europe uh, perfection. Uh, you know, perfectionism mentality. Yeah, you're right. So, thank you very much, Angelo, for coming to the show and sharing all that valuable insights of your design process. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot today. From what I have heard, I'm really looking forward to play Cardpocalypse now. And I still have this soundtrack in my head. Uh, <laughs> wish you all the best for the remaining development and your go live. Thank you, Marvin. It was nice chatting to you and good luck with your game. Um gonna follow up your footsteps and see what you're gonna end up with. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? You can see the website for the game in cartpocalypse.se. You can follow us on Twitter, either Gambrinus account, which is column, or myself at Angelo underscore Nicolau. And you can send us tweet messages on Twitter for whatever you want to ask. Okay, I will I will add all these ways of connecting with you to the to the show notes to make it easy to the people. We also have a Discord channel. You can find that on the website. Okay, I will add that as well. Thank you very much, Angelo. Thank you, Marvin. It was a nice uh, way to start the morning. And finally. The conclusion. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast episode. We learned a bunch of insights from Angelo about the design process of a CCG and especially its legacy elements. What impressed me the most was Angelo's attitude in the situation when he had to throw away six months of work to start all over again. Instead of watching his baby die, he just had in mind to enhance it step by step in order to develop the best possible end result for the game. He used the same attitude when he had to decide whether the game should be physically playable or not. Again, he made the decision for the best possible end product. With some distance, these decisions always seem relatively simple and logical. But when you are in this situation, it takes a lot of focus and discipline to make them that way. Another answer of Angelo that really stuck with me was when he was talking about paper prototypes. 
Angelo mentioned that they got to a point at which the playtesters wanted to see more of the game, more of their cards. At that point, they knew they had a prototype that worked. I am really watching out to hearing that sentences from my playtesters as well now. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to connect with Angelo, you can find all the links in the show notes. If you want to connect with me, you can visit my website at nerdlikeaboss.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook with the hashtag nerdlikeaboss. Thank you for listening and until next week, keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss. And don't forget, da 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 da.